Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me once again this week, Mark McGrath, the singer of Sugar Ray and the host of Mark McGrath's 120 Her Weekends on the 90s on 9 here on Sirius XM. Hello, Mark. Michael Tully, always a pleasure. Always enjoy talking to you about music and always get a lot of great social media responses of folks enjoying our, our repartee, if you will. Yeah. Which is why we're doing this when you think about it. For likes on Facebook, yes, yes, and for for, for people's enjoyment. No, but there are people oh, like well. sure, like sure. you, like you and I, that love music and mm-hmm. and look at one hit one, one hit wonders. You know, for the irony, of course, but also appreciate the effort it takes being a one hit wonder. Well, everything to me is just a means to have a conversation about it. I like talking about it, and somewhere along the way, I feel like people kind of forgot about this in our very sensitive age. That I'm constantly making fun of LeBron James on online, and. When did it become a weird, bad thing to root for some teams and root against other ones, to consider some teams the good guys and other teams the bad guys? It's not based in any sort of reality. Right. I dig this guy, and that guy kind of rubs me the wrong way, so, you know, yay you, fuck him. Right. Like, what's the... There's nothing. There's no animus behind this. No, and it's just reality. Like, the Dallas Cowboys always suck. Yeah, exactly. They just suck. They're fucking terrible. Their franchise, their whole thing, their whole being, their whole logo, they just suck from the top to bottom. Yeah, they're now, just like a, like a shit-eating grin of a franchise. Without a doubt. Now, was that fact? To me, it is. Mm-hmm. And it's an opinion, for sure. Yeah. And and then just absorb it, but don't let it get butt hurt about it. You don't need to tweet me a million times now. Going, you know, I'm a New York Giants fan. Okay, they rule. They won two games last year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do you think about the draft pick? I like it because they need a. I, I like Saquon. I, I followed him a lot at Penn State because my good buddy's a huge Penn State fan, and I think and we need a running game. You know, as much as like Rashad Evans, Rashad Jennings, Rashad Evans, uh, <laughs> I thought he, I thought he did a lot of legwork, but I, I like the running game, and I love our, our passing. Th- you know, our passing game's great. You know, we've got some well, great-ish. Well, I mean, you know, we'll get ODB back to where he needs to be. I think Sterling Shepard will will will, uh, will be where he needs to be, and Brandon Marshall. You know, when he wants to play, can play, and we've got a great quarterback when he doesn't want to take a knee. So <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. What I'm trying to say is, we'll be eight and eight. <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. You've got, yeah, which might get us in the playoffs in NFC East. You know, you never know. You never know. And then in, in football, you you get in it, you could win it. Who knows? But it, it does be go... the first time the Giants. Well, well, they what they won the Super Bowl in nine seven. Crazy carted their way to a Super Bowl, right? Win. I yeah. mean, they won uh, the first team ever to win all away games in the playoffs. But I digress. What we get back to is the fact that, like, you know, like they're, they're just opinions on social media. You know, people take mm-hmm. it, they take it so personally. It's a stab on their being when you either even disagree politically with all this Roseanne stuff going on. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's strange and how quickly people motivate to uh, eliminate. Meaning, like things get you know, like without any fact checking or any validation, lives are being ruined. 
it's pretty interesting life. It's pretty. I mean, forget to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Lives are being ruined. Real <laughs> human lives in the balance. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, well, let this let this show be a respite from all of that. We are not going to do one hit wonders this time. Um, we'll get back to that at a some point at some point in the future. But I was in New York recently, and I saw a, one of my dear friends, publicist to the stars, Carla Parisi, and she and I are both Motley Crue fans. Mm-hmm. And she asked me if I had ever noticed that the song Dr. Feelgood was stolen. Okay. And this was absolute news to me. Yeah, me too right now. And, um, well, let me, let me, let me play the audio. Maybe you don't agree. Cause, so what I want to talk about. Are you going to make me find who's, uh, where the stolen origins from? Or are you just going to tell me? Or what is it the fun in trying to figure it out? No, 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 no. Because most of these songs in this case would be, um, I wouldn't expect anybody to know. Everybody knows the band. I don't think many people know. very familiar with Dr. Feelgood. Okay, so for for those who may not be, it goes a little something like this. If you've been to a strip bar, you're familiar with it. They're playing in a tent in the middle of a desert. There's lots of fire inside. They don't seem concerned. They haven't entered the tent yet. Remember that long camera shot? No, we're in the tent now. Oh, we're in the tent. Because we skipped. Oh, that's right. We skipped the intro. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the intro. Here's your verse. Right. So we've got the idea. That's. That's what Molly Cruz, Doctor Feelgood sounds like. Oh, uh, you can't. You're not going to base a copy off that chord structure right there. There's a million. I, I mean, would, that's... I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Okay. Well, I know, hey, I look, know you would. This is just a conversation about it's. It's fun to say, is this a coincidence, or is it likely to be something more than that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, would you like to hear the pre chorus of Dr. Feelgood? Well, we should go back, yes. There it is. They jumped up the, the, the full step. And now we're into a completely unrelated chorus from well, let's, let's talk about from that. ACDC. Yeah, of course, ACDC. The song uh, is called Night of the Long Knives, back when you could get away with uh, Nazi references and songs, because it sounded cool. <laughs> what album is that off of? That is that Power is Slave? From those I mean, about Power Slave. To, those About to Rock. Those About to Rock, Power Slave. Our main, forgive me, uh, my musical uh, references are a bit askew this morning. Uh, bless you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, a, a thing about, you know, stolen from and inspired by, which are which are, which is it gonna be the slippery slope of yep. our discussion today. Okay. Um now that is a direct riff rip. Um uh now A C D C must have heard and their folks, mm-hmm. Dr. Feelgood. I would imagine it crossed their radar at some point. <laughs> right, Maybe when they were co headlining a stage in England in front of two hundred thousand people. And probably hmm, I think I've heard that riff before. Now if Angus Young doesn't have a problem with it, mm-hmm. Let's say that then he kind of understands that maybe he got it from somewhere. Uh, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? That yeah. might be the riff that keeps on giving down the line. That might be an old blues lift by Lemon Johnson that you know we don't know about that was sped up. So I, there's, a, there's a fine line between being inspired by and straight rip. That to me sounds like a straight rip. Agreed. And, and, you know, and, and uh, uh, Nikki Six, who wrote all the songs from Motley Crue, has listed ACDC as being one of his favorite sound, so, uh, one of his favorite bands, and as an inspiration. So, um, when I let things go, was when it's not their only hit. Nikki Six has written a ton of great hits on his own. 
Yeah. I, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Um, no? I mean, are you disagreeing? No, 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 no. Of course I, mean, I disagree You might with that. not like Motley Crue, but I he's do. written a ton of hits. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, what I was going to say, I guess, is crew derivative in general but thieves oh, yeah. thieves thieves know and i mean new york dolls sex Pistols. i mean they yeah. they, they, kiss, they, they yeah. kiss exactly there is there is inspiration from all of those but he also put it in his own thing and, and created his own thing that to me though sounds i mean that 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 might be is that the same key even i believe so yeah i mean it's with that e that, that it's e, open e that yeah. metal e i mean so uh that's straight up riff but like if acdc doesn't have a problem with it mm-hmm. it's fun to talk about well, it is something to talk about because in my mind, we are not lawyers. We don't have any skin in this game or whatever the saying is. So it doesn't matter. I guess the question I try to, the game I like to play is, do I think that they did this on purpose? ACDC, here's my guess. My absolute guess is, yes, it is stolen. Yes, ACDC is well aware of it. And ACDC just didn't really care. I totally agree. That's just my guess. I totally agree. And I will say, people have been sued for way less than that and yeah. won do you know what I'm saying in terms of thievery, in terms of music, uh, uh, what they stole in, in, in chords and melody? But yeah, that's a straight up rip that, I mean, I think, you know, Angus and those guys, I, I, I've met them before and I'm not friends with them. And when I hear the interviews and stuff, they're jolly, friendly guys. Like, oh, let them have that one. We've got a million of them. You that's know what I mean? precisely that, what I expect. It seems yeah. to be like that. That's probably why there was no, uh, you know, no, no trail of legalities and lawyer in that one, lawyers. But interesting fact, and I can't believe I haven't heard that one. I know. Because I, I don't go deep in the AC catalog, ACDC catalog. I apologize. I'm a fan, but uh, I, I, a casual fan at best. But that is, I mean, I, I, w- I would have been a first first listen, straight up rip. Like, can't believe. Am I am I discovering something here? But obviously, it's been discovered and and passed on. And, and there you go. We should uh, we should tweet Nikki Six right now and just go, dude, come on. Maybe you're doing He's... it right now for us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd have a terrific sense of humor about it. Is all I can say. Have you met him? Yeah, it was disappointing. Oh, really? Can he, you tell me why? Because I've never met him, and I'm a huge fan. Or is that something? Oh, sure. You keep no, I'll tell you. Why. I'll tell you why. Um, was he on the Ellis Show? No, 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 no. And I met him in the context of a very big media event. He was releasing an album from six a.m., and they were like doing in some you know rehearsal studio during the day with some smoke machines doing like three songs, and then you could get time with Nikki. So I understand he was churning it out, and it was it was work time for him, but. I did the whole interview I was supposed to do. Tell me about the inspiration for the new songs. I did all the fluff on 6AM, who are just a completely forgettable band. Right. And at the end, I said, one just for me, why did you leave Black Widow off of Shout at the Devil? Which is a song they recorded not one but two demos of in the Shout at the Devil uh, which means, Which means I'm a knowledgeable fan. I'm a huge fan. I yeah. did my time. Throw me a bone. Is and, what you're saying. Exactly. And he with a couple of tiny little gray hairs peeking out of the front of his huge black wig, (laughs) said, huh, that was a good song. And that was it. And that was it. And I was disappointed that he couldn't give me 20 seconds. Did he look down after he said it, meaning thanks for playing? I don't recall. I don't recall. He just didn't want to. He didn't want to indulge me at all. And this was like, Early enough internet that this wouldn't be something that would be easily Googleable and, and tracked down. I still yeah. don't know why. I don't know if you've ever, it's it was as good as most of the album tracks on Shout at the Devil, and I was genuinely interested why they would bother to demo it twice. 
two different versions well, of the same song and then just leave it off. Maybe because they knew it was stolen from somebody. <laughs> Let's put it up. It's up next, conveniently. Um, well, that, that's depressing. But, you know, you are smart enough and savvy enough to know that he was in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. when you do those interviews and there's 30 people in. But I think you being smart enough to give him the, the respect of doing what he wanted you to do, get yeah. this information about 6 a.m., and then just get, throw me a bone, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a kind of, that's a real sort of uh, temperature gauge on someone's personality. Uh, I talked to Tim Comerford. I hope I'm saying that right. The bass player of Rage, Rage Against the Machine. We did the whole thing on Ellis. We go to break, and I had the demos of the first Rage album. There's one song that's not on the Rage album. It's called Auto Logic, and I really dug it. Yeah. And I said, hey, why'd you guys leave Auto Logic off of the first Rage album? And he said, ah, we just didn't think it was as good as the other ones. But you know what? Auto Logic, that was the name of um, Zach's answering machine, the company that made his answering machine. That's no where he got way. that from. Thank you. Nugget. Thank you. Nugget. That's all I'm fucking looking for, That's man. Oh, man. Thanks for playing. <laughs> what was the name of his band? Whack Rat? Or I don't know. Rat Whack? Okay. Yeah, you've oh. you, you lost me here. Uh, but that's why you were there, though, to interview him about his band, I'm sure. Uh, he, well, he was on the Ellis show talking about, mainly talking about having a metal plate in his head and wanting to still fight people. Ah, Interesting. But I wouldn't a, want to fight that dude. Ostensibly Prophets of Rage, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but he's even got another band called like Whack Rat or Rat Whack. It's like a, a, a little punk rocky outfit. So. Yeah. <clears throat> he's a, excuse me, he's a powerful bass player. Okay, so this next one, this is all me. I, and by the way, I put this out last week to people on Twitter and I said, "Can are there any songs that you have always suspected of being ripped off? Because we know the famous ones. We know that, you know, Thick settled with Marvin Gaye's family and right. stuff like that. And um, I'll play a bunch of people's suggestions in um, a second, some of which you're likely to agree with, some of which you might not. This is one that always sort of irked me because I, I knew this song first. Um, you will, of course, recognize. Mm-hmm. And this was a big hit when I was a kid. Yes, it was. And this is Bon Jovi. It's just this verse. I mean that. Do you know what it is? Of course, it's okay. the Beatles. Thank you. Yeah, and it's not even close. No, right. And then we have the Beatles with. Wait a second, can I get to the verse, though, right? Yes, you're right. Yeah. We're absolutely right. That's There's getting, even getting... a thing on the Beatles version is at the, the right before the climactic chorus where John Lennon goes, which is the point in the Bon Jovi song where he goes, <laughs> 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 right. It's been fully pressing on the roads. The Hammond back there. All right. Right here, guys. Here we are. Nobody ever loved me like she do me. Right there. What chord will he resolve to, Mark? Yes, he does. Oh, oh, interesting choice. Interesting choice. And the in- inflection of the voice. You know, that, that's... Mm-hmm. I think the Beatles may have been one of those bands where maybe they can't be bothered because there's so much money. They didn't sue Offspring over when the Offspring re-released Obla Di Obla Da, right? Oh, which was the... I, I mean, a, a complete rip. That, uh, Scott Weiland and Stone Temple Pilots had a bunch a Beatles songs that they were, you know, sniffing you. around then. And I, I guess, I don't know, you know, when maybe it would be beneath their legacy to go after people. Do you think? I don't know what the reason is. I, I don't know that, um, that Yoko Ono necessarily thinks of their legacy the same way that John would yeah. like John, that's my property. Like where you were, it's my art. 
where Yoko looks at it, well, I mean, she's an artist, <laughs> right? I just mean that I would think that she would be a little bit more inclined to um, just chase the money. Well, maybe they don't want to be associated with the artist. What do you mean? I mean, maybe the with Beatles. Offspring? No, with, with John Bon Jovi. With all the respect, I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm not speaking for anybody. Maybe they're like, I don't want to even claim that. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, who knows what people are thinking? Because that, that to me, I mean, that's. A, I remember listening to that first time, going, "Boy, I can't wait for the legal calls and the Alan Kleins and the, all the phone numbers from the mm-hmm. the lawyers and the publishers and that one." And it just, it no, never heard anything about it again. It's also possible that sometimes the call gets made and the label goes, oh, yeah, sure. And then there's just a settlement and you don't know about it. The thing that you can't hide is if it's significant enough, they will have to change the songwriter credits. Yes. And that's where that's where you can find out about that stuff. You're right. And Tom Petty just recently did this with Sam Smith. Uh, yeah. Rest of soul, Tom Petty, where Sam Smith felt like it was. A, are, you, are you doing that one? I was not going to do that one because I feel like that's pretty well established it, it, that it, he, he he ripped off won't back down. He did, but what he did is he went to Tom before it was released and said, "Hey man, I think there's a lot of similarities here. I did it subconsciously." And Tom goes, "You're kind of bang on there, dude. Uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip you. You know, I'm not gonna take 100 percent, which I could, which the Stones did to our friend Richard Ashcroft and the Verb. Yeah. Uh, but I'll take 15 percent of it, and they settled it out, and that was that." That's fact, the gentlemanly way thing to do. Well, in Sugar Ray, in fact, there's a song called Every Morning, where we took Malo's, they have a song, where it goes, la, 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 la. We, it's, ah, we switched it a little bit, but not enough. But when we're in the studio, even though we didn't sample it, we, we, we recorded it and just, you know, we did our own voices and all that. But you, you knowingly did it. But we did it. It was, it was, it was inspired by it, But we always said in our, in our heads, you know, we'll go, we'll fix it, we'll tweak it enough down the way. We never found something that works. So we left it in. We reached out to Malo. We told the guys about it. We did the right thing. And we ended up giving him 30% of the song, which is, in retrospect, millions of dollars to them. Uh, but we did the right thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I, 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 I don't, that's where the inspiration came from. It made the song better and end of story. It's you know? funny. It's, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm not trying to insert myself in conversation with more accomplished musicians, but. Who walked so, in? Sometimes I, <laughs> I wrote a song one time. I swear to God, I, I, uh, I, I, um. Believe it or not, I made it into, well into my teens without ever hearing the song London Calling by The Clash. And I put it on one time, I'm listening to The Clash's greatest hits, and I mean, I get to, dun, 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 and I fucking run across the room and I hit stop. And I'm like, I want to have that, I want to have one of these. Yes. And I denied myself listening to the song London Calling by The Clash until I had written a whole other song. And Based off I, that riff? Yeah. And then I went back and listened to it, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, we went in... Total we, different direction. We went in very different directions. Yeah. I mean, I use the same beat. I use the same... So it's not that different, but... And and to a certain extent to... And yeah, if I'd ever made any money, of course, I'd have to give the Clash money, and I'd be a, you know, a laughing stock. But, but would you, though? Or did you change all, it enough? Because, oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, I did. Okay. It happens all the time in, in hip-hop. And, all the time. And you I forget... Rock and roll happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, and... I don't want to get too esoteric or um, highfalutin about this, but you know, Homer's Odyssey wouldn't be as good as Homer's Odyssey, apparently, allegedly, is if it weren't something that got molded over generations and generations of every storyteller getting it and adding a piece until it just becomes this perfect thing. Right. And we have actually, I feel like 
in the very long run, our musical culture will kind of suffer for the fact that we no longer legally can have a culture. And I'm not saying it's right that people just rip each other off, but if you're just talking about making great music, and maybe this is a cool thing about the internet, is people can just end around and as long as they're, you know, Danger Mouse, as long as you're not making yeah, money off of it, exactly. you can just put it out there. Time was, you were supposed to take the songs the last generation did. And then do them your way. Sure. And then the same thing would happen to you with the next generation. You'd end up with standards. Classics. Yeah. So culturally, that's what people, the Indians do, to mm-hmm. tell stories through their songs. I mean, it's, it's an old, exactly. it's a historical significance too as well. And when you think about rock and roll, and rock and roll is about 60, 70 years old now. There's only so many notes and mm-hmm. there's only so many chords. And we have a basic formula of how to write a song. Yeah. Naturally, there's going to be overlapping. Naturally, there's going to be inspiration. You know, I mean, ripping something, taking something like hip hop does sometimes and sampling something and putting it on your own song. That to me is where like, you know, that's that's where the, the it, it's very black and white to me. You know, that's you, taking someone's like, you know, mastered property and putting it on your property. That's, you know, but being inspired by something, you know, there, there's there's a slippery slope in a gray area. Then that's why we're discussing this. Well, know? I also think so. I didn't realize I'd, I never got all, enough into hip hop that I'd go listening to source samples. But the song that is the core sample of My Name Is by Eminem. Yeah. You can absolutely enjoy that song on its own merits. I forget the artist's name, somebody from the 70s. And, but people have quite rightly gotten a lot of enjoyment out of the song My Name Is as well. Right. So, and are disappointed with the original. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so why why can't we have both? And like I say, that's their problem. Let yeah. the lawyers figure that out and, and let the artists, you know, live with the financial consequences. Right. But as a music fan, you should just want as much good music as possible and I'm not offended at all by something that that stands on the shoulders of giants I, I well said so speaking of standing on the shoulders of giants um, this one uh, I don't think I would have thought of but uh, E. Payne on Twitter says that once you hear the connection you will never not hear it you'll probably be familiar with the song by Portugal the Man alright E. Payne indeed yep Perfectly ser- serviceable gap ad music. Absolutely. But fun. Yeah. Fun. I'm trying to get the, the, the riff, though. I'm not getting the riff. Okay. It didn't occur to me either. Um, and uh, it, the song, is, the song it, it allegedly ripped off is... That's a, a minor key. I think this song is in a major... Yeah, this song's certainly in a major key played this before you got here for Will Pendarvis and he immediately um, linked that song by Portugal the Man to this. Wow. I mean, you're just talking about Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Definitely similarities. I wouldn't call it a rip. Inspired by? You know, because the the you know the chorus, the verse. I don't, I'm not hearing that in post, and the and the the tempo is different. So I'm immediately taken out of Postman until you put them side by side. Yeah. So it's a it's a clever, clever, deceptive way. I bet you Portugal the man would say we we weren't even thinking of that song. Well, that's another thing that I don't think necessarily people would be aware of. There's there are artists I'm certain who just go out there. Mariah Carey is alleged to be this sort of artist who just goes shopping for other people's songs and takes them and, and then takes deals them. with the financial repercussions later on. Um, I think what's far more common because most artists are basically honorable is uh, the perfect quote Axl Rose said one time. 
you write a song and you go, man, this is better than Zeppelin, and then you put on a record, you go, oh fuck, it is Zeppelin. <laughs> it's Zeppelin. Yeah. yeah. There's subconscious writing. Yeah. And it happens and, to everybody. And very often, it's not what you think, which is, oh, so you know, Nikki Six loves ACDC, so that's what he rips off. You've probably had the experience, Mark. I bet you, if you thought about it very hard, you could think of some little phrase, some little bit of some Sugar Ray song that you know in your heart of hearts is a little piece of a song that you don't even like. Oh yeah, oh yeah, De- definitely, definitely. I mean, it's, just, uh, it's it's in your head. It's in the soup. It's in the soup it, of your musical soul, and these things just fucking. I got a, I got a song that has a tiny little piece that's Jack from Dreamweaver. Like, oh, I hate that song. Really? But wh- I but, love that song. Uh, I don't care for it. But the, <laughs> my point is, I didn't I didn't listen to Dreamweaver and right. go, I got to fucking get one of those. No, right. It's just it's in your well of resources, and it, and and it and obviously it resonates. Because yeah, it's in my mind, objectively, I already know it's an established hook, so it feels like a real song, because it's a fucking real song. Well, a lot of times they say, you know, <laughs> this song's a hit because it feels familiar, but it feels new. Yeah. And that is what you're exactly honing in on what you're talking about. There's a familiarity, but you make something new, you know? Right, and that's that's across um, uh, disciplines. I know that's always been... A, axiomatic thing in in Hollywood getting movies made getting screenplays bought is give me the exact same thing but different without a doubt I mean that's what they, I, I want to you know and they say that in music too when they were signing bands I want a Nirvana I want a Pearl Jam you know what I mean I, oh, we'll get to Nirvana <laughs> <laughs> you know, the killing joke Nirvana yeah exactly oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I I was not aware that we'll, we'll do that one next I have this one queued up huge Mark, killing joke fans. Mark on Twitter suggests that in his opinion this song by the Offspring. Oh, I'm playing two songs at the same time. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, the Offspring got a lot." Offspring got a lot Mash more up. interesting yeah. all of a sudden. That's pretty wild for Dissonant those Dissonant chord structures there. Yeah, I know what this guy's talking about. Do you? And I don't know, but I remember hearing the song before and going, "I've heard this before." This might just fit in the well of it's not really original enough to. The other song is not a punk song, correct? It's like a first wave metal. Okay, so we got we got that. I would that, be... that solo right there sounds like every damn solo off Machine Gun Etiquette, which I know they were big damn fans as well. I mean, you know, again, borrowing, ripping, inspired by, yeah, you know, three different categories. I also. Again, since I'm not a lawyer, I'm just a fan, I can respect really creative borrowing. Me too. If you can take... I, I'm Paul not, McCartney says he does. I mean, Mick Jagger, who, 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 who is anybody to say they don't? If you don't say you borrow or inspired by, you're not. You're, you're lying to yourself. Um, I'm going to type in this song here that I just uh, saw this in an article one time. There's a song off of uh, Get Your Wings by Aerosmith uh-huh. that... The guy who wrote the article said that the intro of this song accidentally invented the strokes. <laughs> I don't know how familiar everybody listening to this will be with the strokes. It's crazy. That's great. Oh my God. <laughs> what a great review. And now we're just going to go somewhere, Aerosmith. It's no longer the Strokes. Well, the Strokes are very much inspired by. It. I remember the Tom Petty argument when they first came out with "Last Night." See, I hate that American shit. Girl thing. I, I, that, that's you, don't, you didn't get that. I get that. I get that. The success of that song 
does not rest on the bit that they stole. See, as a guy, but, but, as a, but as a bittersweet guy, symphony doesn't either by by uh, the verb. Even though we've had this argument before. Several times for some reason. I know, so we're talking too much. <laughs> the best part of the song, the best part of Bittersweet Symphony is the melody. Is the bit that they stole from the Rolling Stones. It, did they, stole, they stole the orchestra boop, intro, boop, boop, which is great. But, I, you know, it's a bittersweet symphony. He made that all up. In fact, he just opened for Liam Gallagher at the Greek, and they don't even use the sample anymore. And the song still works. So, okay. I know what you're saying. I disagree with what you're saying, but it made the song number one around the world. I think it's a great song without it, but it's a number one with it. Yeah, I just think that... And they ripped the master, so they didn't recreate that. You know what I'm saying? This is this is where they lost. They took the master, they sampled it, and then put it on their song. No. The, the Strokes? The Verve did. Oh, the Verve did. Yeah, yeah they the were did. taking yeah, yeah, yeah. this off the master, not even re-recording it and putting it on the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that yeah, was yeah. the real problem. That's lie. that's ridiculous yeah. to think that you could get it. To but, have a major label that signed off on that is just absurd. It's insane in this day and age. But, but it's almost one of those things that's such a great song, we'll handle the problems later, but they didn't think the problems would be that bad. We'll take yeah. 100%, but they didn't know Alan Klein. Uh, but 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 getting back to the Strokes argument, I mean, that I mean, dude, that's not American Girl. What is it? Dan, I'm, not, Dan, Dan, I'm Dan, not denying that it's American and Girl. And the style and the, the aesthetic it's just, I mean, that was that's that's a rip on many levels. I to me, which be, I love the stroke beyond the the direct riff rip off of of American Girl. The song last night, if you like the um the vocal sections totally of different. last night are totally, totally different. different, and that's why as as a guy who ba- made my own song off of two chords from the Clash. I, right. I, I feel it's different, inspired by them. That's an inspired. By. It's a totally inspired yeah. by. And there's another one. Um, I'm. Almost, I don't want to c- c- put this in the same category as the Strokes because it's more egregious than the Strokes, in my opinion. But the um, the lust for life thing with Jet. Oh yeah, bump bump bump. Uh, I want to be my girl. Yeah, I mean that's that's that's. It is lust for life, but it's also but it's also you know, not. It's, it's, it's also you can't hurry love. And, you're right, and also when something with just riding on one chord, bump 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 bump, bump, bump that's going to be tough. Dude, I'll to, go. To you, you do that, and I'll go, honey. Uh, love, ex- love. Exactly. I mean, it's exactly. It's Motown. You're right. It's not. It's you know. And the Strokes have a song called "Someday." And so does Sugar Ray. I mean, come on. If they aren't ripping us off, I mean, we were cool, and it was really obvious how cool we were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, they're, and, 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 and they took their logo from Bob Seger. They, they did. That's for sure. They did. Well, see? So there's, I, a, I, I, there's I a lot of borrowing going on. I got that from a pretty good source. So. <laughs> that's not oh, just, so you know that on fact. That's not just my theory. Gotcha. Um, yeah, wow. Okay. So we heard the- But, you know, just reinventing. You know, what's old is new again. If it's legally done, it's fine. Again, I don't care. I don't care about the legal stuff. That's their problem. I just get to. I just get to wear the t-shirt. You know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we heard the offspring, and this is. We didn't hear the. Oh yeah. Yeah, and this is Diamond Head, and this is an instrumental section of Metallica's favorite song. So they're fucking jazz freak out, and now here they go. I mean. But is it is it novel enough? Well, let me ask you a question. You think yeah. the Offspring has ever heard this song before? Yes. I mean, that's the question. I mean, Diamond Head is what is a like a, a, a Nor- Norwegian first wave metal band? Late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, like the, Euro metal. The early like budgie. Um, all the bands that Metallica King co- Diamond. covered and sounded exactly like for a minute before coming fully out of the um, 
the thing that butterflies can cocoon to, right. to be their own fully fledged thing. Right, right. Huh. That that is just so <gasps> note for note, bang on. The only thing they didn't do is a harmony. You know what I mean? With the extended harmony solo. Yeah. So uh Mark on Twitter, you might have a point. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna de- I'm gonna defer and confer with that one. Is confer a word? I mean It is. I'm not sure that it, it makes sense in the context of I agree word. with that. That's what I'll say. Concur. Concur, that's what I'm yeah. looking for. Let me see. How, much, smart, time, how much time do we I don't have? Know, I know you went to Oxford, dude. Hmm? I don't you do you went to Oxford? Yeah. That is, that little, yeah, me, that's incredible. It's like saying you played in the NBA? Yeah. I was well that's insane, dude. I didn't get a degree from Oxford. I didn't. I was there. I was like an exchange student. You, you, I went for a you year. took a test at Oxford, correct? Uh, you wrote a, you wrote something. For I wrote papers at Oxford. That is yeah. insane. We didn't really have tests. It's a pretty weird system they have. They're over beyond there. tests. No, uh, I, I'm sure the real schools have have tests. No, I, I went. I went to. I went to a fringe Oxford school for one year. Was there a discipline you were studying, or was it just an exchange of just like cultural yeah. ideas? And I was a communications major when I and then. Oxford was like, what's that now? And so yeah, I had to choose between <laughs> <Right>. history. <laughs> I was communication major too. I know, I know what that look is. Yeah. Um, media, what, what can you do? <laughs> where's the hall of media studies? <laughs> At SC, all the communications majors were football players and cheerleaders. And yeah. I go, this is where I want to be. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up in, so you had to choose history, English, philosophy, theology in the program I was in. So I did history. So My I point is they don't just go, hey, all comers come. You know, you're, there is a certain uh, yeah. uh, pedigree and, and, and uh, you know, a, a, a certain provenance yeah. you need to have to get in there. I'm, I'm so, impressed. So a lot of, there's a lot of rich kids. I there. heard that once on, on the Ellis show. And I go, is that, is that a is that an ironic weird? Or is that a weird thing? And I was very impressed by that. It's an experience I'm really proud of having, but not all Oxford students are created equal. So I don't sure. I don't make too much of it. But yeah, yeah, I went to, oh, I went to Oxford and I got back there like last summer. And, and you know what? It's a fucking crazy magic town. Have you ever seen pictures of it? I, mean, I, I have not. I, I know nothing about it. That's why I just know about the myth and the uh, legacy of the school. And it's a wild place to get drunk for a year well it sounds that way yeah you know in between studies uh, that's why you're so damn quick and funny and fast man do you have you heard that apparently it's fairly well known in the uh, metal community that metallica may have had some inspiration for enter sandman yes this one i've heard okay this i don't know the uh the inspiration but i've heard i've someone played me this and it's slower yeah it's a little slower right than the weed and then we know or is it exact bang on well, let's hear it okay so you know here we go Oh, Jesus, I did it again. Your mashup skills are incredible today. <laughs> it didn't sound as weird as the Offspring yeah, and, uh, um, and Diamond Head. Yeah, it I took think. us three seconds to figure that one out. So, yeah, they're going to do this. And just for, remember that they're going to do the light version of the riff, and then we're going to do dun 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 and then we're going to go full blowsies. Okay, but uh, are, do, does, does the supposed original do the intro like this, too, or they just go straight to the... Well, let's hear so I think most of us have heard that or are familiar with what's coming. Yeah, right. So this band is they're from Los Angeles, I'm told. What's um, the name of the band? Excel. Excel from Venice. Venice Beach. That's exactly right. Part of the suicidal tendencies community? That is precisely right. I know uh I don't know if everybody buys the theory that this um Which is interesting because the bass player now mm-hmm. in Metallica is Robert Trujillo. Of suicidal. Of suicidal and, and, and he's an infectious group, but he's yeah. part of that Venice community. Now this was written before he was in the band. Mm-hmm. But interesting antidote, nonetheless. Well, metal has always been a pretty small world. And there's only so many riffs, but just what do you think here? It's called Tapping Into an Emotional Void. The Emotional Void. 
going to get a little builder. Hey, Gypsy King. Ooh, they even took the notes out that I was going to argue against. I wonder if they're going to go full electric after this. I, I'm going to put this metal. Well, in fairness, it's a totally different riff. This it is. There's 30 more notes in this than the other one. There's regrettable metal vocals of a Where is my around life? 1990. <laughs> <laughs> listen, better than anything I've ever written, that's for sure. But uh, listen, definitely heard before. And as you said, the metal community was small back then in the late 80s. Well, I mean, it was getting bigger, but certainly Metallica hadn't become the worldwide monolith it is now. And so XL would definitely have been heard by Metallica. Mm-hmm. Or might have even toured together, or had suicidal part of a Metallica equation. You know, I think I think I definitely had heard that before, and did a sub- subconscious variation. Maybe, uh, maybe it's even conscious. Here's another thing. Once again, speaking as a fan, not a lawyer. If a band steals something and makes it better, then I'm completely cool with it. And in my as opinion, long as the legal, there's no legal recourse. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's their problem. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe it, Excel did say, guys, it, yeah. give us something. That's it, real close. Maybe Excel are secret billionaires because they right. have every penny of Interstand. I have no idea. I just think that Interstand Man is, and I think everybody can agree, having heard 30 seconds of that, Interstand Man's a way better song than that is. Without a doubt. But think we all can agree that Kirk and, uh, and, James, yeah. and James definitely had heard that song before they recorded Interstand Man. No, now, if I'm Excel, they're a band that I'm not even sure is still performing anymore. Right. That song would change your life to have a piece of that. Would change your life. Yeah. Now, there's, hey, dude, cool. You, I don't mind using my song. And there's, I can feed my grandchildren to send them to school. Mm-hmm. Money and so recourses. So, yeah. There might have been some behind the scenes play at that. Like, Excel, throw you 100 grand, just don't say anything. You know what I mean? Now, this is all hyperbole and all hypothetical. And I'm not a lawyer. But, uh, Sometime, some way, someone in the Excel camp must have brought this up to them. Well, like I said, I came across an interview with Dave Mustaine where he's like, "Well, everybody knows that they stole that song from Excel, so it's not." This oh, is- oh, okay. So, so this isn't even where. where yeah. Well, you know, Dave is the sour grapes capital of which the Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's great? Universe. He's sour at them. He's done so great in his own. Oh, no. And we all know Dave Mustaine's a gigantic talent. Yeah, but still, but but the, the Metallica Thorn will always just be in the and. But I've heard he's been a lot more gentler, Dave Mustaine now. I mean, he's the kind of Dave Mustaine now that goes out in front of the hotel, like in Chile, Chile, if you will, and plays acoustically for the fans. Uh-huh. That would not have been done ten years ago, five years ago even. I think he's really found some Christian roots. I think he stopped drinking. Yeah, and that's good. those those are, those two things will put some happiness on people's faces if that's what you're into. There's a lot of deep roots underground there that need to be untangled for him, no doubt. I, I saw I was watching video last night putting this together of him on stage with uh, with Metallica, and I guess it was like the Big Four, 2011, so. or, or something like that. And it's just funny you can't snap your fingers and and undo decades of. Metallica, band dynamics. Metallica looks completely comfortable on stage, and the ch- the crowd is ch- uh, chanting Dave, and 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 James is is chanting along with them, and Dave's just like, let's just play the fucking. Song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at you know, and you know, you've been in bands. You yeah. know, the, the, the dynamics of bands, and people always say like, why can't the original guys get back together? You know, like, come on, do it for the fans. Well, it, it's like asking, why can't you get back together with your first girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Well, she's married and got three kids now, and she lives in Nebraska. Well, so what? Just get back together. Go to dinner tonight and go bang her. 
Yeah. That's not how it works. These are relationships and people you're talking with. We understand, like, you know, in bands, and I say we, like, like because of shit if the original Sugar Ray gets back together. But the point is that, you know, I understand that some people would like to see that. But there's, there's, there's years of relationships and, and behind the scenes that we don't know what went on. You know, and the fact that, that Dave got on stage with Metallica, that is a gigantic step for him. Yeah. Because I know how he kind of left the band or they left him. It wasn't that, that amicable. Well, and then the documentary was, yeah, was centered over the top. I mean, you know, you, you see that, and that that can be years and years of uh, of animosity, and especially you see Metallica grow so big and turn to, let's be honest, Metallica's a classic rock band. Mm-hmm. Megadeth's Megadeth. Mm-hmm. So there will always have that one-upmanship on Dave. I'm, 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 I'm thinking. Oh, absolutely. I read Dave's book, and it was, it was pr- completely transparent that Megadeth just kept getting bigger and bigger. Metallica. And... No, Megadeth. Oh, and every step, every step they took, every step they took, they were now they they always remained two full steps behind Metallica. Metallica. Exactly, because they did. You know, people they were they were a a pretty consistent MTV act. You know, when they're doing like Symphony of Destruction oh, yeah. and stuff oh, yeah, like that. Absolutely, that's just the the heaviest silver medal that ever hung on anyone. Uh, by and, and one of the greatest songs that that riff there. Oh. I, I love that. There's Dana, all kinds of cool Dana, stuff, and Dana. I've always given Dave credit for. I don't always love what he does, but so there's so much sameness in metal, and there certainly was at that point. And you could always kind of tell when it was him. And you take like this is a little musicy, but like take Hangar 18. Yeah, how many metal riffs that carry entire songs are written on the G and B string? No, you're right. He's really outside, and he could still do. Right, uh, he invented that. Yeah, I mean, you know, he seriously did. He and Metallica invented that whole thing that 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 bands are making millions of dollars with today. And he had the, uh, I mean, but Metallica went outside the box too. You know, they got creative in their own way. They might've, you know, he got more creative, I think musically, but they got, they, they, they stopped being Metallica and turned into a classic rock band. Yeah. You, you know, so it, it's just interesting how that all panned out. So you, it's just been a giant thorn in the side called Metallica's success mm-hmm. that has been clouding Dave Mustaine for his entire life. Who's an incredibly talented human being yeah. in his own right. Um, and, 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 and then you throw in all the band dynamics on yeah. top of that. Well, and you extend the metaphor of well, if people want you to get back together with your first girlfriend. Now you have people who you every conversation you have outside of, you know, people that you, you know, like your wife or your friends or something that that, you know, that question is coming every sooner time. or later, every single time. Still comes 30, yeah. 40 years later. And it'll it'll really weigh on you. And um, and it defines who you are, even if it doesn't. Yeah, it does because you keep hearing it. <laughs> You know, when you're on Twitter or something and like 99%, hey, dude, you're great, blah, blah. You know, one guy that just, you know, that's all you hear. Yeah. That's probably all. And Dave, as we all know how he's kind of been, kind of acerbic and witty and kind of cantankerous. Well, and the way he was wired in the first place, that's yeah. a big part of the reason why he wasn't in Metallica. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, he got kicked out of Metallica for drinking too much when Metallica was drinking a lot. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> hats off to him. That's a Steven Adler kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, that's you get kicked it, yeah. out of Guns N' Roses for, being, for parting too for hard, too fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, here is. Oh, do you have a Guns N' Roses take on the uh, the original getting back together without Steven and, and, and Izzy? Oh, thank you for asking yeah. me. I've been talking to everybody about this, and I'm happy to talk about it again. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a. Why do I hear? I listen to you all the time. I have. Uh, well, there's a show that's uh, recorded that hasn't come out yet. Where I was, I was discussing this yesterday with. I'm going to blow up my spot here on some of these being Well, don't do it if you've got something coming. Oh, no, 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 no. I can do my hot take on Guns N' Roses twice. (laughs) So, I just... um, I liked the fake Guns N' Roses with Axel and the Guns N' Roses All-Stars. Bumblefoot and... 
It was good. It was. It was. This happened yesterday too. Wow. Hold on, it's going to be a robocall. Um, so, I mean, you're hearing Guns N' Roses music, song by Axel, which is a, a good place to start. Well, for one thing, I thought that they were a really, really good, great band. band. Great band. I just saw them at a concert, a K Rock show, and they were. They were tremendous. They were on Tommy Stinson from the replacements on bass. Rad, cool factor there, you know? I'm, I think, a little bit less offended by, like, the fact that they had two guys who were playing in the style of Slash. The top hat wearing thing, too. You know, DJ wore a, a top hat like Slash. Playing there was his parts. A, I mean, you know. I just choose... I'm the a kind sweet of, guy, DJ. I'm the kind of guy who I will go see some washed up band from the 70s play at a a, a horse race track you knowing mean, I am a washed up band from the 90s playing horse track I said 70s I from purpose because I was trying to not I knew give you, you were going to say not, I knew I was trying to not give you that opening You're the I'll best. go see the motels play I will too. at at the Hollywood Park racetrack and I know that they can't I, I saw Paul Simon t- play the other night knowing full well Paul Simon is not he's fucking 80 How years old How was it It was cool it was yeah. cool I'm the kind of guy where if you can just give me, if there's little 15 second slivers of nostalgia, that are like, that's it. Yeah. That's the stuff. That's why I love you. It justifies the whole enterprise. And I more than got that out of seeing the fake Guns N' Roses band. Yes. And I believe that the song Better off of Chinese Democracy mm-hmm. is better than anything. It's appetite worthy. Anything. It's better than anything on the Usual Illusions that wasn't written before Appetite. Well said. Don't really matter. Yeah, because half of the uh, half of the Usual Illusions had been demoed beforehand, and I yes. like I like a lot of those songs. Well, November Rain was supposed to go on Appetite for Destruction. Uh, Don't Cry was supposed to go on Appetite for Destruction. November Rain was too. They were both written. They were both written beforehand. They yeah. brought Elton John's piano in to try and uh, do November Rain to play, and he still couldn't get it right. It was so long, so they took they left it off. But they knew they had another gigantic gigantic. I've always heard the story, not the piano bit but about Don't Cry that it yeah. was intentionally left off. So, I mean, shit, dude. Um, the Garden, You Could Be Mine was just about the only substantial oh, yeah. song that was written yesterday's. Yeah. Uh, the, the list, yesterday's is such a great song. It's a neat little, it's a nice little song. It's a great yeah. little ditty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come the on. Bad Obsession. There's there's a lot of them. Good um, stuff. And yeah, The Garden, he's already doing an Alice Cooper impression on the demo yep. before Appetite that they get Alice Cooper to actually do it on Use Your Illusion. So, I... I actually like better, and there's a song called "The Blues" on on um, mm-hmm. Chinese Democracy that I think is a, a pretty neat little worthy. Not but, ten years waiting. No, worthy, of course not. But, nothing, yeah. nothing possibly. No, it could have been. And so, if I liked that, I don't know why I wouldn't like seeing that with a couple more original guys. And I'm a really huge fan of Duff's. Um, Me and, too. And you know, Slash's Slash's. I had a dream last night that Slash was going to be on the Brooklyn Nets. And I was all excited you're, about it. That is the weirdest fucking dream. And I was so excited about it because I was like, oh, I kind of like know his manager and stuff. I bet I can get some tickets. And then later on, and then I woke up and I was like, wait, Slash can't run. That was the first <laughs> thing I thought. <laughs> Slash has got no J. Hold on a second. That doesn't, can't shoot the three. This doesn't add up. He's too old to be on the Nets. And that's the only reason why this that's can't so- be true. <laughs> but I am. I follow Izzy Stradlin on Twitter and I just... I'm I'm just that kind of contrarian where I'm I'm digging in on it's it's not I didn't care for some reason that it was it was so obviously not Guns N' Roses when Axel was calling it Guns N' Roses and he was the only original guy right. but the fact that the world believes that this is Guns N' Roses it's I understand you can't have Steven Adler and it's cool that he lobbied hard enough they let him come out and do a couple songs and as I was saying um yesterday it's not like Matt Sorum would really make it a whole lot 
better for me because I think that one of the issues with the Use Your Illusion era is... Metzorm's a great drummer. Mm-hmm. I just think he was the wrong drummer for Guns N' Roses. For that band. In my, in my opinion. Right, right. And, and you know, with all due respect to... Da, do, 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 sure. No, know. I know. I hear you. I hear you. He was just a robot, and 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 uh, Adler was was rock and roll. It was, he loose. was a groove, it was cool, and just a groove that the drummers have. They could have found another a guy. I know they were playing for a little while with during Adler's issues with Fred Curry from Cinderella, He's the nicest human being, and maybe that would have been a the history of the world. Maybe that would Josh Freeze was even part of Guns N' Roses for a while. See, he's not. also a little too perfect. I think he's they, too good. They should have gotten a, a hair metal guy. Yeah, you need a, like a groove oriented. Like you need Steven Adler. You need. Yeah. Why can't they get Steven? So my, getting back to my original question. Mm-hmm. I, why do you think maybe there's a setup like okay we're gonna we're gonna milk this first run of Guns N' Roses then we're gonna do the original because that'll be available too guess what guys you know well maybe we'll put a record out with this version and then we're gonna do one more like let's get the original guys back let's get Izzy and everybody and Steve because Steven Adler seems more than capable of playing the set okay so that reminds me of Darcy from Smashing Pumpkins leaked a bunch of texts that she had exchanged with Billy Corgan. And said she was back. And and then guess what? It's funny because we all are operating with very, very limited information. So it's fun to have theories, but we don't know what we're talking about. But my theory, based on reading the text that she put out to make Billy Corgan look bad, was that I saw Billy's point of view, which is, Darcy, this is a huge tour and we want this to be international. And if we don't sell out everything in America and the reviews aren't amazing, this is going to be over in three months. And I want this to be, I want this, I want us to be the next Guns N' Roses of reunions. Right. No one should be surprised that Billy Corgan is that corporate or that cynical. So that doesn't shock me in the slightest. (laughs) Darcy, you've been telling us you have back issues and you've had back issues for years. You haven't done a full tour in years. Tell me exactly what you know you can do. Because the crowd will not accept that this is a reunion without you. Can you do four songs? Can you do seven songs? Can you do nine songs? You're going to do them. You're going to rock the hell out of them. And then we're going to have the other chick who's going to make sure that we're rock solid every single night. And she was basically took that to to demonstrate that she was being marginalized. And I just saw her angle. And I see Guns N' Roses' angle with, with everything that is riding on this. And as hard as it has been to put this back together... If there is any shadow of a doubt that Steven Adler might not have the mental and physical stamina to do two and a half hours every night, then give the crowd four songs of Steven. Now, the issue that I've heard is that, I think uh, Eddie Trunk told me this, he gets jerked around a little bit, doesn't know if he's playing in this show, gets flown to South America, does three songs. Does one song, and gets home. flown home. So maybe that's, that would be one thing. But I can understand why Steven Adler is not the full-time drummer of, of the Guns N' Roses reunion. The Izzy thing... For some reason, I take Izzy's word on all this shit because t- I just because he always seemed like the heart and soul of that band. He just ditched right before the and he's just cooler. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. He just <coughs> I don't think Izzy's motivated by money, and ironically, money's the thing that he feels that that got in the way of him being part of this. From and what I understand, that's what he said is he said, and but I, he's not a fool. I love the way that he that he put this. He they, said um, they didn't want to split the loot equally. equally yeah. He used the word loot. loot. He said loot, which is, fucking, which is so, is so he. Izzy. Yeah, so Izzy. So perfect. <laughs> And that's why maybe what you are predicting might happen, but I think I don't think it's a premeditated thing because I believe I believe in you in a way better than I. But don't you know, they see the value in Izzy being in that band, even if they have to split the loot equally? Well, I, I mean, Izzy gives them a long term chance for success, meaning that they write another record. Izzy wrote the majority; he's co-wrote the songs we all love. Was yeah. his his fingerprints are all over the songs we love? Yeah. 
we got to go, and I had some really fun stuff planned. Well, guess that what, we did dude? Not get into so I think part two, part two, always fun, dude. And the one at Wander always available. You're the best. Bro. Okay, we'll do both of those again soon. You are at Mark underscore McGrath. You have summer tour dates. Uh, just check the website, markmcgrath.com, for Sugar Ray and Mark McGrath needs, and uh, Sirius XM 90s on nine. Mark Russell on twenty Fridays, nine p.m.